So awesome, sometimes yeah. what I like to do is um, join uh, things that we do on Sunday morning with little side uh, studies. Uh, the past three weeks, I've been looking at uh, the Psalm, uh, the 90th Psalm, and um, I thought it would be a good time to talk a little bit about the Psalms in general, and that's what I want to begin tonight. So I imagine we'll take a couple of months on this, and um, it will be a study that will help us to understand the nature of the Psalms, and then we'll look at uh, individual psalms here or there, and we're going to look at one that's uh, very familiar with us uh, for us tonight. So what I'd like to do is tonight just give you kind of a, a 35,000 foot view of some things that we need to consider when we open this book that we call the Psalms. Uh, this is probably one of the um, more popular sections of the Bible. I think there's just about everything in the book of Psalms that draws people to it, uh, whether it's the imagery that's there or the comfort that is found or just the jubilation uh, as it is used in praise and in worship. So uh, tonight, uh, let's just get started with uh, some introductory things and uh, just jump in anytime that you might have a question or comment. And uh, we'll interact a little bit tonight with a couple of Psalms. So you want to have a Bible and turn open uh, to Psalm 1. And that, that's where we'll get started in just a moment. So tonight, I just want to make a few comments about the nature of the Psalms. And you probably already know most of this, but I think it's good to remember. Uh, the book of Psalms is a larger section of the Old Testament. In terms of a verse count or word count, maybe is a better way of expressing it, it uh, ranks third behind uh, Jeremiah and Genesis, and uh, yet it is a very different type of book. Genesis is primarily a narrative, and Jeremiah is uh, prophetic material. It's almost hard in some ways to categorize the book of Psalms. The one thing that all the Psalms have connected to each other is poetry. It is poetry, and we'll uh, talk a little bit about how you understand Hebrew poetry down the line. But what I want us to think about tonight is this large, diverse amount of material, how it came to us, and how at times it leaves us confused as to what it's talking about. When you look at the book of Psalms, one of the things I think I've always wished would happen is that the Psalms had a specific historical incident or episode that I knew before I read that Psalm. And unfortunately, we don't have that. Uh, the majority of the Psalms, we have no clue as to the historical episode that inspired it. But what we do know is that if you had to categorize the commonality, the common denominator uh, between all the Psalms, you would find a threefold pattern that comes from the writings of Walter Brueggemann, one of the best Old Testament scholars. Uh, he's about 90 years of age and still going strong. And here's how he looks at the Psalms. He 
he talks about how the psalmist has an orientation toward God. And whether it's a lament or a specific uh, petition that is being made to God, usually what happens somewhere in the Psalms is some type of disorientation. Um, the writer and the psalmist cannot figure out why God, being who he is, allows life to happen the way it does. But usually by the time you get to the end of the psalm, the psalmist usually reorients himself to uh, the person and work of God. And so if you look for this in the Psalms, when you read them, you'll find that there's an initial orientation. Uh, Praise the Lord is a common phrase that is found uh, in the Psalms or save me, protect me, those type of things. And then when the psalmist sees that the wicked are prosperous, that leaves him in disorientation but then he comes back around and he says, but what hope do I have if I don't look to you to be my deliverer? So look for those three things in most of the Psalms. I won't say all of them, as we'll see toward the end of the Psalter, uh, you'll have the Psalms like Psalm 146 or 150. That's primarily praise, praise the Lord, praise him with the stringed instrument, praise him, all ye people, those type of comments. So uh, first thing to keep in mind here is this large, diverse amount of material is hard to spe uh, specifically nail down what prompted it. And then the second thing to keep in mind is that even though it's poetry, there are elements in the Psalms that are very theological in nature. When you think about uh, God knowing us before we were in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, um, that's quite a statement about God's omniscience, uh, his knowledge, and different things like that come out in the Psalms that are theological in nature, uh, but you have to work through it a little bit in light of when they are saying some of the things that they are saying. The Psalms are couched in a particular uh, situation that allows them to say some very profound things, but at times allows them to say some things that through the, um, through the ongoing development of civilization and things like scientific discoveries, we clearly see that they are wrong about in the way they perceive the world. So you notice at the bottom of the slide here, the Psalms are theological, has some very dense material at times, um, but you have to work at it to get to it because uh, the Psalms are not long-winded philosophical discourses. Um, they are primarily praise, petitions, pleas, and prayers, if you want an alliteration. And that's how the, thought, the theology of the Psalms is kind of teased out. So you won't find statements in the Psalms like the writer of Ecclesiastes uh, that goes on to show why vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What you'll find is a very diverse collection. And I'm going to use an illustration uh, in a few moments that might help clear this up for you, why it looks the way it does. But before I get there, do you have any comments on this initial slide or this, this one? 
Anything? Okay, so I've set you up in a way to say that the chronological and cultural gaps that are found in the Psalms are difficult to overcome. Uh, we don't know when they were written primarily. We don't know who wrote them. We don't know the circumstances. Uh, and we at times wonder why the editors grouped some of the Psalms together the way that they did. So we have a little bit of work cut out for us to understand the nature of the Psalms, but I think it'll be well worth it. And so that moves me to this. When we talk about the individuality of each of the Psalms, we look at them and we can appreciate them in isolation. What I mean by that is we might open to a particular Psalm and it can stand alone. You can appreciate it. Uh, you might resonate with it. Um, you don't need really uh, a previous chapter or following chapter. Uh, it's not a story. It's not an epistle um, or anything like that. The best analogy that I can give to you is that the Psalms is like a compilation. So uh, a throwback would be an anthology or a box set of music. So we remember the days when we used uh, uh, turntables uh, rather than playlists. And occasionally, after so many albums had been released by an artist or a band, they would put an anthology box set together. And you might have uh, several uh, vinyl records in that. And usually there's some text and some story and background maybe even to why they wrote the songs that's in this box set. Um, when you read the Psalms, it's difficult um, to pick up on one specific theme. So when we think about how an artist puts an album together, they might pick out a theme and all the songs that they write for this particular album will revolve around that theme in one way or the other. That's not the case in the Psalms. The Psalms are pretty individual. And the way I like to put it here is all of the Psalms together is kind of like an anatomy of all parts of our soul. It reflects those times when we have joy. It reflects those times when we're confused. It reflects those times when we're angry. It reflects those times when we'd like to get even with those who have wronged us. So, uh, it is uh, not like a, a anthology per se, uh, in the sense that it's one box set. It is a compilation though. And in that regard, we might say that it is a collection, a collection that has been preserved by a group of people for a specific reason. And picking up on why they, chose to collect these songs is always the question. So Psalms, uh, for all of its artistry and its enduring influence, um, is really in some ways a, a hymn book or a liturgy, but it's more than that. And it can be like an anthology of music that is set in a particular era. So when you think about 
eras of time, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you think about the music that is released during that era of time, what you'll find is that it's very distinguishable at times. When you listen to a song, you say, oh, that's from the 50s or that's from the 70s. There's, I don't know whether it's rhythm or theme or chords that are used. Um, it, it is the voicing sometimes. It, it is very distinguishable. Um, and you can take an era of time and you can pull out the songs that you like in that era of time. So in a sense, the Psalms are a collection and you don't necessarily have to like all of them equally any more than you like all songs equally. They are a collection, but you will resonate with certain Psalms better than you will others. So here's our first little uh, example of this. So I want you to turn to Psalm 1, and it's not very long. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to turn to the last Psalm. So there's 150 Psalms in the Psalter, and uh, I'm just going to read both, and then I want to ask us a question as to which Psalm you liked better, and then ask the question, why? All right, so first Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers." Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So keep that in your mind. And then I'm going to go to the very last psalm. I'm going to read that. And I want you to notice how different this feels. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with tambourine and dancing, praise him with the strings and flute, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So there you have two very different feels to the Psalms, one at the beginning and one at the end. And so this is just a matter of opinion. Which Psalm did you like better? And is there a reason why you like one over the other? Anyone? No, no one has any comment on that. Psalm 1 is very Deuteronomy, uh, Deut Deuteronomistic. It talks about the law. It talks about blessing and cursing. And in many ways, it reflects upon kind of the theology 
of the people as they are entering into the land. Those who meditate on the law day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water. Psalm 150, though, reflects probably more of a post-exilic exaltation. These people have come back to the land after they've been in exile. Praise the Lord. Praise God with every instrument you can think of. So it's inside of you, and the, one is not right and the other wrong. You resonate, maybe, with one today better than you do the other. So if you've had a bad day, you might say, hmm, that's Psalm 150 irritates me. How am I to praise the Lord in everything and keep my chin up and keep my smile pasted on after I've had the day that I've had? If you've had a run-in with people who've been quite nasty, uh, people who maybe have done you wrong, people that have set you up, well, Psalm 1 might resonate with you, that there's a day of reckoning that is coming, coming. But I'm going to meditate and do my best to walk in the way of the Lord because there's this promise that whatever I do will prosper if I stay close in following the Lord. So Psalm 150 might be something that irritates you one day and thrills you another, and the same with Psalm 1. So depending upon you what your day is like today, you might resonate with one over the other. That makes sense to everybody? And it's okay. I think we have been conditioned sometimes to think that because it's in the Bible, I have to love every part of it equally. Well, that's an ideal, but the fact of the matter is, since we're human, we will resonate with certain things that are in the scriptures one day better than on another day. So, any other any thoughts on that? So here's what I'm going to try to do over the next few weeks. Uh, you can see here that there's several pieces to the puzzle that we're going to look at: the diversity of the Psalms, uh, the age of the Psalms, the anonymity of the Psalms, at times the ambiguity of it as well. So these are all pieces that we'll take a look at at various times over the next few weeks. And uh, tonight I want to try to tackle a couple of them, and then we'll come back to some of the others in the days ahead. So the first thing I want to talk about is when we think of the Psalms, um, we can ask the question, are these Psalms actual songs that were uh, were written to be sung. Now, the naming of the Psalms is quite interesting, depending upon where you're reading them. So the title Psalms and its counterpart Psalter, are, they come from two Greek words. Uh, the Psalms uh, is derived from a Greek word, saloma, uh, me, or Salome, which is is a word for songs, and um, it's what the way that 
the book was named out of the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the other word, Psalter, uh, Psalterion is the Greek word, actually is related to the other word. However, it's a song that's accompanied by a stringed instrument. So when you hear the word psalm, it's primarily thinking of a song. But when you hear the word psalter or the collection of the psalter, usually there's some type of instrumentation that's associated with it. Now, this particular title is uh, used in the Latin Vulgate translation of the Old Testament. But there is a musical connection between the two of them, which is different than the Hebrew title of the book. You can see the word there, uh, uh, tehillim, uh, which means praise, which is interesting. Uh, rather than related to songs, it's related to praise. And it's kind of an interesting title in light of, um, you know, the fact that it's not all praise. Uh, we'll run across a particular type of psalm that's called a imprecatory psalm, which has no praise in it. It's just wanting to call down condemnation on enemies. So it's an interesting title in the original Hebrew. Um, it describes some of the psalms, obviously, but not all of them. And I would also advise that when we, if we try to associate the Psalms simply as the hymn book of the nation of Israel, sort of like in a church where you pick up a hymn book to sing different songs, you have really kind of pushed the label a little bit too far. There's many prayers in here. Um, there's petitions. There is lament. Uh, there's coronation Psalms that is to be used in the yearly coronation of the king and those type of things. So be careful when you use the word hymn book. It's more than a hymn book. It's a prayer book. It is uh, a coronation book. It is a lament book as well. So any thoughts there? Any comments? Okay, so let's use this illustration. I don't know if you're familiar with... Um, two ways to listen to songs now in our day and age, rather than collecting uh, 33 RPM vinyl records. One is um, a service called Spotify, and the other is uh, a satellite uh, radio station called Sirius XM. Uh, are you familiar with either of them at all? No. Okay, so Spotify is a... Um, is a music app that you can choose to save the songs that you like. And you are the one that creates the playlist. In other words, when you listen to it and you say, boy, I like that song, you can star the, uh, the uh, song and put it into uh, a favorite category um, or maybe just something generic like liked songs. Um, and even though it makes sense to you, uh, because it's individual, it might not make sense to other people. So if somebody was to look at your playlist on Spotify, they might go, man, you like a wide range of different types of music. 
you like classic rock and country, you like um, uh, gospel music, you like, uh, you know, you like uh, flamingo, Latino type music, whatever it is that hits your fancy. And when it plays in random, you might have a country song followed by a classic rock song that's followed by um, some type of uh, Christmas carol, if, if that's what you've liked in this playlist. So in some ways, the Book of Psalms feels like that. However, if you are familiar with Sirius XM, Sirius XM is one of those um, uh, type of music um, platforms that has all kinds of channels on it. And all the popular genres are grouped together. So there's a station for classic rock, pop, country, rap, sports, talk shows. Uh, you name it, they have it, because there's a couple hundred different uh, channels on Sirius XM. Now, when you listen to Sirius XM radio, and you have on, let's say, classic vinyl, well, you're not going to hear pop music, you're not going to hear country music, you're not going to hear rap music, you're certainly not going to hear talk show, because it's all geared toward that genre of just classic rock. Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Doobie Brothers, uh, uh, whatever, okay? So you don't have any choice of what's coming next in that. It's just kind of grouped together in different genres. So the difference is Spotify, you're the one that is curating the songs you like by starring them, even if it crisscrosses different genres. Sirius XM, they're all kind of grouped together. So when you look initially at the Psalms, it looks as though it is primarily Spotify, okay? These are all just individual things that have been collected, and you so don't see the connection between them. But there is a little bit of structure and movement and mood and flow, because if you look, if you're still at Psalm 1, do you see a heading above Psalm 1 that says Book 1, 1 through 41? Do you have that title at the top of your uh, page there? Okay. So what happens here is there is some development and shape that's taking place. So let me go ahead there, uh, and then I'll come back to the other uh, slides. There are five books that have been grouped together in the Psalms, and you can find them. Psalm 1 through 41 is book 1, 42 through 72, book 2, and so forth. So uh, you'll find, if you go to Psalm 42, it'll say above that Psalm, book 2, Psalms 42 through 72. So there is some intent here to try to group them together in a way that has uh, some connection. Well, how is that? How does that take place? Well, the way that it takes place is as it has come together over time, editors began to sort these psalms in such a way that there are some co commonalities between them. Now, 
This does not come together overnight. It's not like somebody sat down and organized the Psalms in a week. This is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And those that were preserving the Psalms slowly began to categorize them. Well, what are some of those categorizations? So notice here, the middle of the screen, uh, you'll see there are different things that are also stated above some of the Psalms. Ascent Psalms are grouped together, Psalms 120 through 134. Well, what are Ascent Psalms? Well, these are the songs that were sung by the pilgrims as they are journeying toward Jerusalem, going to one of the festivals like Passover uh, or Tabernacles. So take a look at Psalm uh, 120 just for a second, and you'll see right above Psalm 120, it says a song of ascents, okay? Now, when you see it, then you go, um, okay, now what is the content here? Well, the, the uh, Psalm 120 says, I will call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. So the, here you find it is a petition. They are petitioning God to do what? Protect them in their sojourn toward Jerusalem. Now look at Psalm 121. Uh, now this seems to make a little bit more sense. It, it is another song of a sense. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, verse 1. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Well, what are they going to see as they are traveling toward Jerusalem? They're going to see the hills. And so this is a very literal thing. Where does my help come from? As they begin to look at the hills, they, they remember that God is watching over them. Verse 3, he'll not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So what you find here is as they are traveling, they are trusting that God is continuing to watch over them. Look at Psalm 122, another song of ascent. They're getting close to Jerusalem. Verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. You see, Psalm 120 through 134 is almost like a progression as they are getting closer and closer to Jerusalem, okay? So these are songs that they are singing. So it reminds me of even some of the old um, Negro spirituals that uh, sustained a group of people uh, they sung these even as they worked in the cotton fields or other uh, tasks that their slave master required of them. So it's a song list. It's in movement. It's while they are journeying toward Jerusalem. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, another grouping. So you just want to go back a little bit. Uh, go over to Psalm 73. So I, this is what happens in the Psalms when you're trying to make sense of it. You kind of move back and forth a little bit, trying to figure it out. So here, Psalm 73, you see the title above it says book three, right? 
So uh, book three, this collection is Psalm 73 through 89. And then we're given Psalm 73, and this is a Psalm of Asaph. Now, who is Asaph? Well, again, we have to conject a, a little bit of conjecture here. Asaph was a Levite singer in David's court. Maybe this was the individual. You can read about uh, Asaph in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 6 and chapter 15. Is that the individual that's in mind here? Don't know, but it sure sounds like a praise song. Look, uh, it says, verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I env envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So there's that orientation I told you about, right? Then the disorientation, he began, began to envy the wicked. And then finally, when you get down, now this is a longer psalm, um, he begins to reorient himself. Look at verse 27, he says, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So orientation, disorientation, reorientation is in this psalm. We see it's a song of Asaph, who, if it is this individual that's mentioned in First Chronicles, was a Levitical singer uh, in the court of David. Okay, another one. So you want to, uh, we can go either direction here, but let's go back to 44. So Psalm 44. Uh, this book, well, let's go to uh, 42. Keep going to 42. There you see the title, Book 2, Psalms 42 through 72. Now, you have Psalm 42. This is a familiar psalm. Uh, I think most of us are acquainted with verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, oh, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So, notice... There's two things that are mentioned here, actually three, for the director of music. So we know this is a musical piece, a mask hill. Now you should have a uh, probably a footnote there. Uh, in, in my NIV Bible, the footnote says uh, this term mask hill is probably a literary or musical term. There's some guesswork being done here. We're not really sure what, what it means. But then it's given the title Sons of Korah. Now, there's a grouping of Korah Psalms, as you can see there, 42, 44 through 49, and so forth. Who is Korah? Well, the only Korah that we can really pinpoint in the scriptures is probably not the author. Um, Korah was a cousin of Moses that usurped Moses authority back in Numbers chapter 16, and he was eventually executed. Uh, so that might not be the author of the uh, these psalms. This might be another individual. Then there's also some uh, psalms that are called the sons of Korah, whoever they are. Uh, you'll see a title like that here uh, in uh, in uh, Psalm 42, the sons of Korah. 
So you'll see chorus psalms and you'll see sons of chorus psalms as well. And then finally, David psalms. Uh, can you pull that check for me, please? Thank you. Sun setting kind of coming through. And um, most of us think that the, all the psalms were from David. And they're not. Many of them are anonymous. Um, but there are some that have David's name attached to them. So you can look and you can see that. And I, I don't think I need to necessarily uh, tease this out at length. But what you'll find is specifically Psalms 138 through 145 have the title uh, of David as the author. Uh, so Psalm 139 is one of the more popular ones. Oh, Lord, you search me and know me, you know, when I sit down, when I rise up and so forth. So what is happening here? Let's go back to our playlist analogy for a moment. So you like a particular artist so well that in Spotify, uh, you find that you can uh, specifically name a particular playlist after an uh, an artist. So I'll take my favorite band, the Eagles. I could have an Eagles playlist. And every time I come across an Eagles song, I can dump it into that playlist so that when I play that playlist, all it is that is being played are Eagles songs, okay? Uh, on Sirius XM, uh, besides the classic rock, country, other genres that I mentioned, you also have individuals. So there's certain stations on Sirius XM, Tom Petty Radio. Uh, uh, that particular station plays all Tom Petty stuff. Uh, the Beatles uh, radio station plays all Beatles stuff. So occasionally you find you can take uh, a particular grouping of songs, and you can collect them in a particular way that they're all together. And that's what you have here. You have different types of songs that have been collected and grouped together. Okay, have I lost any of you? Does that make sense? So here we find the ancient Israelites are ahead of their time, they predate Spotify and Sirius XM, and they are collecting and uh, preserving many of these writings in uh, in collections. Um, and sometimes there are individual ones that are just left self-standing, but others are related. Hey, does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in here because... Um... You said the Eagles. I like how you uh, equated this with uh, Spotify because both my daughters use that. Uh -huh. And I just wanted to say my daughters sang with the Eagles when they were here. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. 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 Last year. Uh huh. So, and I thought I didn't know any of their songs, but I actually knew all of them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so. because you've heard them over and over, whether yeah. or not you might have associated a particular song with that band, right? And oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was thinking maybe too, like um, when you have a hymnal and, uh, you know, they aren't always to do with the same thing, but 
you know, someone chooses that maybe for Easter Sunday or, you know, mm -hmm. like a third song. But anyways, that, well, I like how you're saying that. I'm glad you mentioned that because even a hymnal, if you look at the back of the hymnal, mm -hmm. has categories. So um, these are all uh, these are all hymns in the same hymn book. However, many of them are grouped together, like Christmas carols, are right. all grouped together in the same section of the hymn book. Prayer, um, other other categories. Uh, can be grouped together. Uh, so thank you, Kay. That's that's a very good illustration that mm -hmm. we think of the hymnal as a, a series of songs that have been collected, but within that series of songs, there are subcategories that are grouped together in pages next to each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where do you put these? They, I mean, where have where do you play these things if it's on this whatever Spotify or I mean like your phone you can uh so you're familiar with uh um uh, an icon on if you have a smartphone on a, this isn't true for burner phones or flip phones or anything like that but if you have a smartphone you can you've heard of apps right yeah okay uh, so Spotify is an app. So what what are some of the other apps for music? Um, I'm trying to think uh, off the top of my head. But there's all kinds of Pandora. Apps. Pandora, thank you. Um, there's all kinds of apps that you can use to listen to music. Um, and And most of them, if you want the full range of of its potential, it's a it's a subscription, but Spotify mm -hmm. is free uh, in the sense that if you don't want to use um, if you uh, if you want music uninterrupted without commercials, mm -hmm. then you have to subscribe and pay so much per month, that type of thing. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to interrupt what you're listening to with about five minutes of commercials every so often. Oh, so um, so well, that's the way they pay for their. Yeah, you, you know the, their platform. So, um, your phone is a primary way to do it. Now that we have smart TVs, you can have you can put bring up uh, apps on your TV and listen to music as well. Whether it's, um, I know Sirius XM has uh, smart TV apps, um, uh, like Amazon Prime uh, has music sides to it as well and you can save some music and listen to it or you can just say hey i, I want to listen to pop music and it'll play it in random so does that make sense beth yeah yeah all right good anybody else all right so here's what i want us to think about just for a moment so the presence of pre-existing psalm groups um, are found, and that's a key point. Another two key points that I want to uh, mention tonight, and again, we'll come back uh, if we don't finish these handouts, you know, we'll just come back to it next week. But here's a, a good um, two more points for our time tonight. So another thing uh, to think about when it, it, you're talking about the psalms is 
there are hints or remnants of edits in the Psalms. Okay, so I want you to turn to Psalm 72 for a moment. Psalm 72. So you'll see here in Psalm 72, you have another individual that's mentioned. So here, this Psalm is being attributed to Solomon. Just like we were looking the past three weeks in Psalm 90 on Sunday, uh, that was attributed to Moses. Now, there's not a collection of Psalms by Solomon or Moses, but you have individual entities that are collected here that have been attributed to them. However, so here you find a Psalm that is being accredited to Solomon. And that makes sense. Take a look at verse one. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. So this is a petition. It's a prayer. And this is something that is close to what Solomon requested when God said, ask for anything and I will grant it to you. And Solomon said, give me wisdom to lead these people. So it very well could be uh, this is a song of Solomon, or it could be something that is attributed to something that Solomon would do because his his um, his history as a king over Israel pertains to a lot of the different things that are mentioned in the psalm. Now, come down to verse 20 in the psalm, and this is an interesting um statement so we see at the heading this is a psalm of solomon but in verse 70 uh, uh, uh psalm 72 verse 20 it says this concludes the prayers of david the son of jesse okay is it solomon is it david who is it and then the other way of looking at it is okay this this concludes it could it be that books one and two were collected and only much later, book three started to be collected with some of the Psalms of Asaph, which begins in Psalm 73. It's almost as if it's an addition that's being added to the playlist that's important for the nation of Israel. So what this is showing is that... Um, Certain sections of the psalm seem to be finished, completed, assembled, edited uh, at a point in time, only to find that the process is reopened later by the nation uh, to put more into the collection. So going back to our illustration again on Spotify or Sirius XM, uh, more specifically Spotify or Pandora, as Kate mentioned, um, you hear a song that comes out three months from now. It's a brand new song. You go, oh, I love that. I'm going to save it. I'm going to drop it into my liked playlist collection because I want to hear it again. Um, so, you know, I think that kind of helps us understand how this uh, material grew over time. Now, here's something that's quite interesting. Many scholars think that Psalm 1 is kind of like an introduction to the Psalter, and Psalms 146 through 50 is the conclusion. So 
what uh, what takes place sometimes, and uh, you'll take a look at this um, slide here. Psalm one is sets the tone for the book. So one of the things that might be happening here is Psalm one, which is all concentrated on the law, shows a connection back to the Torah. Oh, how I love your your law. I meditate on it day and night, so forth. And what a perfect introduction. When you get to Psalm 119, you'll find that the whole psalm, and it's the longest psalm in the Psalter, is all about the law of God. So in Psalm 119, you find an, um, this is a psalm that talks about walking uh, blamelessly before the Lord and those who do are blessed and so forth. But what's unique, and we'll come back to this at some other point in this study, Psalm 119 also takes all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and then uses that as an organizing tool. So if, uh, if you go over to Psalm 119, you'll see verses 1 through 8, that is the Aleph uh, section. Well, what does that mean? Aleph is the first uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Then in verse 9, Beit is the second. So it's like the ABCs. So um, if you had a group uh, of material, and let's say it's five or six verses long, and you were going to use the English alphabet as a way of organizing it, all of the verses that... Um, that are in verses five or six, uh, the first five or six verses all begin with the first letter of the English alphabet. Okay. And that's what's happening in this section here in verses one through eight. Now let's go on to the letter B, same thing, to the letter C, all the way through the alphabet. That's why Psalm 119 is so long. But what set the tone for it? It was Psalm 1. That talks about the law, which again is Deuteronomy theology. You know, you go into the land, God will bless you if you obey. There will be consequences if you don't. Then you come to the other end, which seems to be kind of like an encore. So if you've gone to a concert and the concert comes to an end, then everybody pulls out their phone and they turn the flashlight on. And they're holding their phone up, and all you and all the house lights are down, and you see all the the lights uh, that are showing people are calling for an encore. Psalms one forty six through one fifty seem to be kind of like an encore. So go to Psalm one forty six, and you're going to notice they all begin the same way. Psalm one forty six verse one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God. 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And then Psalm 150 that we looked at earlier. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So it's almost as if the Psalter comes to a crescendo of praise at the end. And it's almost like the encore 
where your favorite band never sang your favorite song all through the concert and you go, well, what's with that? And then they come out and they do the encore and all of a sudden they sing the mega hit because that's what the people are calling for. That's what the people are desiring and so forth. And that's the way the book of Psalms kind of ends with that uh, exuberant praise and and exaltation of God and so forth. So Psalm 1 sets the tone. You find it all the way through. And then Psalms 146 through 50 is the crescendo that kind of finishes off this uh, collection that um, was used in worship, in travel, in times of prayer, in times of lament, and so forth. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to stop with that slide. And um, I'll stop the share and bring us all uh, up here and see how how we're doing. Do you have some comments, questions um, that you might like to ask or comment on before we close our evening uh, tonight? So some good questions. And and I think that, you know, the analogies help us to kind of see what's going on. Anything that's on your mind? To me, it always seemed like it was so random. I didn't realize there was such a structure. I, it is random to a certain extent, just like, just like going back to our illustration on Spotify. Um, a group of liked songs can be very random, but the structure of it is the songs that you like, which might be a particular type of song, okay? What holds them together is this is the musical style that Esty likes, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of randomness in it. You're correct in that, absolutely. But at the same time, there is some organization to it, okay? That's a good comment. Anybody else? Well, anyways, um, it's a precious collection of material that leaves us a bit frustrated at times, not knowing what the setting and historical circumstances are. But in the weeks ahead, I think we're going to be able to see that there are some connections. And um because of the age of the Psalms and the language that is used in the Psalms, it's a challenge sometimes to get to the heart of what it's really referring to, okay? And yet at the same time, this is such a beloved section of the Bible, um, probably because it is so poignant, right? And has so many vivid imageries. So I will go off here. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I was going to say the same thing Essie said, but it's it's interesting. Um, so why is it so random? I guess my question is why why is it not whenever it was created created with more structure and and I mean what 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 the what determined the way it, the way it was packaged in, in some sense? I think time had something to do with it, and what I mean by that is I think books one, two, three, four, and five were all kind of assembled and finalized at different eras of time. So let's go back to that hymn book illustration, because um, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. So you might have a hymn book 
uh, that was published, let's say, in the 1960s, for lack of a better um, illustration. And it has all the old hymns from the 1920s, 1930s, all the way up to the 60s. And you held on to it. It's on your bookshelf. But since then, contemporary Christian music came along and new music was popular in worship. And so a new hymn book is published. Now there's some choices to be made. Are we going to hold on to all of those songs uh, that were in the old hymn book? Or are we going to bring some of them forward into the new publication? And are we going to add new material to it? So most of them hold on to the old hymns of the faith, but then they add a lot of contemporary stuff. Okay, so that's published not in the 1960s. That's published in the 1990s, let's say. Mm -hmm. Okay, that too has a dated element to it. Now you take that hymn book and it's on your bookshelf. And of course, no more new music comes out. And same process. Editors have to determine how much of the 60s hymnal are we going to keep? How much of the 90s hymnal are we going to keep? And how much of the new stuff are we going to put in? Okay, so it's published in 2015. And you use it. And now, here it is, 2023. And you go, oh, maybe it's time for another new hymnal. Uh, although most churches are using... PowerPoint and projection now, but what I'm saying is um, on your bookshelf, you have four or five hymnals that were all copyrighted at different eras of time, and some of them are related to uh, in themes. They all have Christmas songs in them. They all have Easter songs in them, uh, but many of them are unique, too. So I think this is me talking, okay? It's I don't I can't prove this. I think what happened over the course of time, books one through five of the Psalter uh developed and they were used. And as they were used, new material began to come out. And as that new material came out, another book is developed and held together. And by the time you get to the fifth. Uh, book being completed, uh, by that time, uh, what you find is now there's a new, there's a new movement that's in the uh, Second Temple era, and and now they're saying we don't need any more material. 150 psalms are more than enough to use in the synagogue and and in the Second Temple and so forth. So. I, historically, it's kind of hard to put together and make it all connect. However, I think the hymn book illustration helps us to understand that ongoing process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's what I think is happening in the Psalms too. Actually, I'm I'm feeling a bit dated myself. Um, <laughs> Shelly and I bought tickets to Barry Manilow. Mm. last night and, and mandy came out almost 50 years ago yeah mm. and, yet, and yet you love the song mandy as much as you did 50 years ago right oh yeah yeah well <laughs> i got the amen corner on that good <laughs> but yeah no i mean i told you the eagles are my favorite band 
Hotel California is my favorite album of the Eagles. I've heard Hotel California hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And I never get tired of it because I love the guitar riffs in it. I, it just, and yet the meaning of that song is kind of hard to get to the to the to the actual uh center of what they're trying to talk about yeah you know so everybody likes something different some people uh gordon lightfoot just passed away a couple days ago um his song the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald tells a story okay um and you, you get songs that are ballads you get songs that are romantic. You get songs that are political. Uh, you get all kinds of different things all under the same umbrella of of music. And, and I think that's a good illustration of what the Psalms are doing too. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think some of them were used in the liturgy that we said in the Lutheran church when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. If you follow the um, um, the the lectionary uh, that is available, many churches follow um, the lectionary week to week, and usually there's a selection from the Old Testament, the, the, the epistolary literature, and the gospel. But there are also psalms that are used in the lectionary as well. Mm -hmm. And the more frequent psalms can be those that we're most familiar with. Sometime during the course of the year, you're mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna read uh, Psalm 90, you're gonna read Psalm 23, you're gonna read Psalm 139, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. these are very uh familiar type of psalms. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's not surprising that it would, in the Lutheran liturgy, that it would be a regular part of the yearly mm -hmm. uh, organization, for sure. Yep. Anybody else? Well, I hope you'll enjoy this as we continue to move along. Hopefully, you'll take a favorite section of the scripture and you'll have a little bit deeper insight as to uh, why it looks the way it does. So, all right. I'll call it an evening if uh, you're ready to to call it an evening. Well, Leah says it's snack time, so we're going to have to sign <laughs> Yeah, off. okay. That sounds good. All right. Good yeah. night, everyone. We'll pick up uh, here Thank next you. Wednesday. Okay, you're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you. Uh-huh.